Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Liberty Show, hosted by Kevin Fortune, the King of Liberty. Tonight, we are doing our premiere um, broadcast, and we just want to talk about the real basics of liberty. This show is designed to promote liberty, of course, my model to put liberty into action. But we want to hear from you. We don't want to just have it based upon what other people think liberty should be, what the government says liberty should be, what religion says or what the academic world. But we want to hear what the citizens, what you, the people think that liberty is and what it means to you. Um, we just want to remind everyone to like us on Facebook at um, Facebook, uh, The Liberty Show with Kevin Fortune. Also, we need some sponsors and patrons. Go to patreon.com forward slash The Liberty Show and become a patron. Only $1.25 a week, only $5 a month to help us promote liberty. Thanks a lot. Well, let's get started. You know, there's a song that we had to learn in grade school, My Country, Tis of the Sweet Land of Liberty. But is this really a land of liberty or is it a land of liberty for everyone? So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. What does liberty mean to you? What does liberty mean to me? And I just want to kind of start off with um, the, the concept of liberty uh, means freedom. It means freedom, uh, freedom and rights, justice, equality. But as a person, as an African-American, as a person with a disability, as a person that didn't grow up uh, with a silver spoon per se, liberty has a whole different concept, concept possibly than uh, to other people. So that's what I wanted to think about. But my biggest thing as a person of the libertarian movement, not the political party, but so much of the way of life, liberty means limited or less government. I love running and ruling my own life. I do uh, a great enough job messing up my own life. I don't need the government to help or my religion or you know uh, the school uh, system, the university system, whatever, to tell me how to fail or mess up or whatever. I've done great jobs doing that. But anyway, I just want to think that, uh, just want to say that to me, liberty is just, just being my own person, being my own man, being who I want to be. Uh, even if I make mistakes, it's not about being right or wrong, but it's just that who I think that I should be doing what I want to do with my life, with my body, with my finances. Less government control, that is really liberty to me. But I don't want to bore you guys. I don't want to take all the time because this show is not about me, but it's about you. So let's go to our first call in. And who would that be, Jared? Hi, James okay. from Atlanta. Go ahead, James. You're on the Liberty Show. Hey, Kevin. Um, so you mentioned um, what liberty, you know, what does liberty mean uh, to me? And um, it means for me many things, but I think the biggest thing um, as a, a person of color, as a queer LGBTQ uh, member of society, and as someone who, uh, like you, didn't grow up with a silver spoon, you know, I was, uh, I grew up as, well, in a low-income household and moving from place to place. So liberty for me, for anything else, uh, is equality. Having the same opportunities as someone else in my um, situation, you know, and I think that we truly aren't free until we all um, are given equal opportunity. Um, so I think that's really what freedom means to me, you know, before anything else. 
So let me ask you, James, as a member of the uh, queer LGBTQ community, do you think you have liberty or freedom in our country? <laughs> um, that's that's a, a good question. Um, I think things are, to answer your question, <laughs> no. I think there's moments of freedom that, or it seems like we have moments of freedom or we, we take strides and there's accomplishments towards um, getting closer to freedom. But at this moment, no. Okay. So let me ask what, one more question. Uh, what do you think we could do in our country to um, produce or have liberty for the LGBT community? Because you know, a lot of people think, oh, they're free. They just passed same-sex marriage. Uh, they can work, you know, they can serve in the military. So what, 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 why, let me ask you, what could we do to make you more free? Or why do you feel like you're not, you're, you're still not free? Um, well, I do want to comment on, on one of the things you said, you know, because, you know, as of right now, we, in America, at least have um, certain people in our government who are, changing that they're making it so that say uh queer people cannot um serve you know trans people specifically cannot serve in the military in some cases so um what i think we can do to change that is is first you know like all things we have to educate and be able to be educated and that goes both ways you know um i think it starts with um surrounding ourselves around people who are unlike us so that we can learn, so we can kind of break some of the stereotypes that we're told about a community. And then also from the community itself, I think one thing we can do is be patient and understand that these groups that are trying to understand us, or these people that are trying to understand us, it's gonna take some time. So it really just starts with actual true conversation and not just my way or the highway for both sides. Well, I agree with you there. Once again, that goes into my definition of liberty is uh, running your own life, not letting the government and the, or the powers that be or religion run your life. Um, because like you said, you know, there are people now in our government or religion or uh, the powers that be in the world academia that are trying to, to determine what uh, LGBT people should do or cannot do. And that's not liberty. I totally agree. Thank you so much, James. You've already added, uh, got us off to a great start. Who's next on the Liberty Show? Anyone want to speak up? Um, so this is Tevin from Atlanta. Hey, hey Tevin. Tevin. Welcome to the Liberty Show. <laughs> hey, Kevin. Um, so, yeah, James really made a lot of great points. And even when you started out with the introduction of what Liberty means, that was also excellent. And I mean, to just reinstate that, you know, liberty, the definition of that is the quality of state or state of being free and the power of choice or the power to do as one pleases. And um, for me, I just feel like, you know, being an African-American in the United States, looking at our trajectory in history um, and pertaining to the liberty and freedom for various minorities in this country, it's really been a complex one. You know, I, I really think that, you know, from the start with the African-American and the cross-Atlantic tr slave trade that started bringing African-Americans um, to the New World in 1619, 
um, set us really on a really deep, difficult trajectory for minorities here in this country, because that's what we had, in my opinion, the stripping away of certain rights and human rights, human right violations. Um, 1619 was the start of um, African-Americans entering a new world as slaves. Then 1774, we had the Constitution um, that was written stating that all men are created uh, equal, but at the same time, certain provisions were made pertaining to slavery. And even with the members of our, the, our founding fathers who wrote that Constitution owned slaves. And then after that, you know, decades or years later, 1865, we had the Emancipation Proclamation banning slavery. So then the individuals who were um, slaves were able to have freedom, quote unquote. But what were they entering in some form of a sense? Because no provisions were given or made to those individuals post-slave um, period. And then we had a system that was developed to keep these individuals as second-class citizens and strip them of certain rights so that they can have, in some form of a sense, what was written in the Constitution of Liberty. And we did not live fulfill that. And it wasn't just African-Americans. Of course, it falls with Native Americans and other minorities that started to enter as immigrants in certain cases. Um, so I think, uh, as James has stated, I think we're still in the battle. Um, if you are a minority to fight for our rights to have true um, liberty. And I think if you look at our, the trajectory of history, examining that closely, um, we have to really make some form of compensation for all the, the, the issues that have been acquired and transfixed our history um, in this present moment so that we can really have a better future to live out um, for generations that are coming under, <laughs> under us. With Tev, I want to uh, just uh, piggyback one thing. <laughs> you were saying that even after slavery, there was a system put in place to keep African-Americans down. And I just want to reiterate that that system was by our government. It was a governmental right. system that Absolutely. kept us down. And, you know, we keep promoting, right. oh, if we just elect this person or if we just do the government, it still was the right. government that was, you know, it was institutionalized. Absolutely. It was totally, and, you know, said, mm -hmm. you know, like that. And, but and, what, and the precedent, I don't want to cut you, I don't want to cut you off, but the precedent was set initially with the Constitution because those men who signed the Constitution um, were all white male men. There weren't any minorities present, you know, and we know that Native Americans were here, their presence was yeah. here, but they were some, for whatever reason, not present in the signing of that constitution, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, any other person of a certain, of a different gender, women per se, were not involved in that. So how do you, how you write on paper that all men or all groups of humanity are equal but those actions are not present or seen, you know, while you all are actually performing something that's supposed to be noble and um, expanding the liberty for all that are so on, the Tevin, of the new on the shores of the new world. Excuse me. Let me ask you this. Right now, today, do you feel free as an African-American, especially with the government or regime or uh, that we have in uh, office right now? Um, 
I mean, like James said, I think that we are, um, no, I mean, I think we're still fighting for that. Uh, <clears throat> um, but wait a minute, we, we, we don't have segregation anymore. You can go to school with white people. You can work where you want to. You can live where you want to. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, but that system, the residue of that system is still present. And I think just because things have somewhat quote-unquote changed or appear as if they changed drastically on the surface, there are still things that we still face in, within, our, within our communities, within communities of color, economic unemployment, extreme economic disparities, you know, for people of color, um, incarcer large incarceration rates, which have not just been the start throughout this particular century, but have been, you know, the start ever since the Emancipation Proclamation was, um, Signed, and when that system of segregation was formulated, you know, um, they started to arrest African American men for, you know, menial crimes, quote unquote, and throw them in prison. And we had a system that was developed on that, you know, mm -hmm. to create capital on black and brown bodies, per se. Um, and there's a higher percentage of minorities that are in prison at this moment. Um, and like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a system, um, <clears throat> even with the homicides of African-American people, as we see in these last two years with police shootings, um, henceforth, that's the reason for Black Lives Matter um, and other groups. So it's, it's, you know, in my opinion, it's a quote that says, you know, um, a lot of things change and then nothing changes in some form of a sense, because <clears throat> even with the surface treatment of certain things, and yes, we're able to go here and there, there still is an undercurrent of, um, uh, of that a, a bondage, system that right. still exists, the residue of that system that still is in existence. And, you know, I don't think that we are where we need to be, um, unfortunately, right. in that, and that's my opinion. Yeah. Hey, let me double back. Mr. James, can you come back on the air? I want to ask you, as, a, as an African-American and as a member of the LGBT community, do you feel like there's a double whammy against you of not having liberty? What do you think of having both of those, uh, being in both of those communities? Can you comment on that? Uh, I don't think it. I know it, you know, because I live it every day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and I don't think it's something that many people who don't, you know, who, who don't live it, um, take the time to, to think about, um, at least in, in large numbers. So, yeah, you know, as a black man, as a queer man, you know, um, I'm hit twice by oppressions of, of different kinds. So, and then all the other things, you know, um, where, I'm at, where I am. Not in, not in America. This is the land of liberty. <laughs> this is a, a land of liberty for some, you okay. know, and mm -hmm. like, like Seven mentioned, you know, you have to look at, you know, who this liberty was meant for, you know, and who is it currently, uh, who's currently benefiting from it, um, and who also is a part of a system who is, um, you know, your livelihood is really making those who created this system richer. and. Wow you know, making their liberty exist and yours diminish. Wow.
Okay, let's switch gears. We need to get some different views and opinions. Let's go up north all the way to the great state of Wisconsin. Mr. Jared from Wisconsin, how do you feel about liberty? And do you think that you are existing in a land of liberty? Yeah, I think it's a, a, a complicated topic to unpack. And I think we've already had a lot of really good discussion about some of the challenges we're still facing um, with liberty. In general, I feel like we have a, a good foundation in some ways, both like uh, in our constitution itself, but also then in sort of the, the mythology of America and this idea of America as this uh, land of liberty that uh, we're constantly remaking and we're constantly trying to reach toward this ideal. Um, and that's powerful. And so I, I think that's a blessing to, to have sort of this symbolism and this uh, cultural narrative that a lot of other places around the world don't even uh, necessarily consider with their identity in, in their country. Um, but yes, there's definitely still a lot of uh, ways in which specific policies lead to disproportionate uh, barriers to opportunity for uh, individuals and specific groups of people. And so, uh, yeah, looking at how we can uh, reduce government uh, in, in specific ways to get rid of those barriers and potentially in certain circumstances with some, uh, some wisdom that comes from communities themselves, see if there's small ways we can use government positively to, to redirect uh, different resources and open doors for, for the communities themselves so that they can have more of a chance for self-determination and, and actualization in this ideal of liberty that we take so seriously in this country. So let me ask you this. You, well, you are a white male. Like, well, you, sometimes you're white. I don't know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know... What do you think about what's what some of the other stuff, you know, growing up as a white male, and we won't, we won't even talk about the silver sport that you're about. <laughs> but, um, you know, do you have you had any challenges, even in your world, to the liberty that, like you said, the mythology, I love that, that phrase, because it is a myth, I think. I mean, it's not that it's, you know, we're totally, you know, but man, it's just not the, the liberty that people dream about. I've talked to so many people at my job, we get people from all over the world and people just come to America and they just think everybody's free. There are no problems. Everybody gets along. Like, right. you, you, you know, you haven't been here long enough. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I think there's uh, definitely some like echoes or residue from previous policies that no longer exist anymore, but we're still feeling the impacts from them, uh, especially in terms of, of things like uh, housing and just, uh, how communities have had really unequal investment into them uh, historically. So I, I've lived in uh, some pretty bad, rough neighborhoods before. And um, I mean, even though I, like under the law, have similar freedoms to uh, a nicer place that I've lived now or before, it, I mean, when you don't feel comfortable where you're living and you don't feel like your neighbors are people you trust and can be friendly with that that has an impact too on on uh, how you're able to sort of actualize your liberty in your community if you're just mm. feeling like you're stuck inside and you're isolated i mean even if the policies on paper are 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 the same uh because of the these realities on the ground where um there's some some hardships that itself can be a 
a roadblock to liberty. So thinking of how we as individuals and potentially through uh, policy can uh, reinvest in, in certain communities could really help bring liberty to, to more people and sort of turn this myth of liberty into a reality that is felt more broadly. Well, I just think that's interesting. I, I know you a little bit, and I do know that you've had some challenges being a, a white male in some of these communities that your liberties were, uh, let's just say you were stereotyped that, you know, well, what are you doing in this area? You're either here to buy drugs or to pick up a hooker <laughs> or, you know, you, you, it has to be something negative if you're with people of color, different things like that. Mm. And I think that that's, you know, once again, it's infringing upon people's liberties that they can't even be themselves. You can't right. hang with who you want to hang with or shop or do what you want to do. Interesting. Well, let's go next to uh, one of my main men, uh, Mr. Damon Kennedy. What do you have to say, Mr. Kennedy? Uh, do we live in a land of liberty? I mean, I know you're totally free and everything, but. Well, there, there's remnants of, of liberty, but um, everybody on the call so far has had some great points. Um, and I just want to kind of piggyback on, on a lot of them. But, um, you know, we, we've got a framework of liberty, but it hasn't been equally applied. And I think currently in today's society, we have a conflation of, you know, race versus class, because there's a lot of, you know, the, the second you say that black people have been disenfranchised, you'll have, you know, certain, certain people who, who, may, who may be white who say, well, you know, I'm not doing too well in my life either, so therefore racism doesn't really exist which is not the case. Um, but there, there is a conflation of race and class where there, there are racial issues, but there's also class issues. And I think that the, the elites for, for quite some time, ever since the, the beginning of this country, but especially since the civil rights movement, when black folks were, were fighting for, you know, my people, people my parents and grandparents age, were fighting for basic human rights, it was by some looked at as an infringement on their rights when that was not the case. The case was they were never given equal rights and to get them up to the level of what other people had already received to certain to a certain segment looked like an infringement on their rights, which it was not. And so fast forward till today, you've got some people who are white who when the it, when the euphemism white people is used and it's assumed that all white people are rich, well they say, Well, I'm not rich, therefore they kind of tune out when it comes to race racial issues. And I think that's that presents a, a problem but something that we need to kind of address as a country and say, look, there are racial issues and there are class issues. And sometimes they, they overset, they, they intersect, but we can't act like it's one or the other. Sometimes it's both. And um, as James mentioned earlier, you know, it can be a tertiary issue as well. So it can be class, it can be, um, it can be racial and it can be sexual orientation. So there's a lot of different factors that, that factor into how somebody can achieve or not achieve the American dream. And one of the things I want to kind of point out is when we look back on the financial crisis, 2008, 2009, um, how people lost their homes. A lot of people were kind of thrown under, thrown under the bus through um, the economy that kind of tanked. Now, when we look at it and we look at who was held accountable and who wasn't, the people who were basically the, the victims of the, um, of the policies that were put in place by the government and by predatory financial companies, those executives got off scot-free. And so when we look at everything in totality, the people at the top end of the, the socioeconomic stratum, they're able to get off and do whatever they want to do. And that's, that's problematic towards what we look at. I think Kevin mentioned earlier, too, that a lot of black men are, have been incarcerated 
during the drug war for the past 40, 50 years. So we leave the we leave the world incarceration, and you look at a company or a country like communist China, we we speak ill of them, but we incarcerate more people than they do, and yet we're supposed to be the land of free. But so when we look at everything in totality, we've got to understand that look, it, it, for us to really mean what we say, we can't we can't be contradictory. We're we're looking at a a country now that is looking to overturn a lot of the uh, the marijuana drug laws which sounds good, but we can't let certain people in there and start making money before we've made hold the people who were incarcerated for the past 30, 40, 50 years and lost their lives over the now, now the thing that you've got a certain segment that's going to begin rich off of it. So there's a lot of, again, a lot of different contradictory things we need to talk about. And um, we've got the base, work, the, the framework for freedom, but it hasn't been applied equally and we, we need to improve upon that. Well, let me ask you, Mr. Damon. Um, what about the current administration? Because as a, a man, you're successful, you're smart, college educated, beautiful family. You've got the American dream, a house, a picket fence. Uh, I don't know about the dog, maybe a goldfish. But you know, you're free, right? You're, you, you have liberty. So do you think that where we live right now and with the administration we have, the current political climate from the White House all the way to our Congress, do you think they're promoting liberty for everyone, even for you and your family? Well, I think, you know, the current occupant of the White House, he, he's a symptom of, of the bigger problem. He's not the, the entirety of the problem that we have, but he's a symptom of it. Um, his, his rhetoric is very reckless. Um, if you look at a lot of political strategists, he's kind of done everything wrong from what a political strategist would say, but somehow, some way, he's been able to, to make it. And I think it's his cult of personality that allows him to make it. Now, again, I, I think that any president, whether it's Democrat, Republican, the, the main thing that we need to understand is the two-party system's got to go. That's ultimately really what we got to look at because, again, looking at the current occupant, he's done everything, quote-unquote, wrong, but he still gets support because he's not on the, quote-unquote, other side. And, and therein lies the problem. I think that people's morals and integrity is situational based upon who the, who the person is. There's got a D after their name. They'll think a certain way versus an R. So if, they're, if the person's a Republican, somebody does something wrong, and they're a Republican, they'll look the other way. If that same person does or something does, somebody does something wrong, and they're, they've got a D after their name, they're going to go after them and excoriate them. So we don't need. We've got plenty of examples of that, and that needs to change. Now, going back to another point, we as a country have become very comfortable. Our our economy is basically consumer driven, and people basically assume that okay, if I can go out. To the store any given time i can buy something i'm good my life is great fantastic but there's a seedy underbelly to this country that needs to be addressed because in any other country throughout the history of the world there's always been unrest in, in this country itself you know taxation by representation we had a we had a war with with you know england to get to get you know our, our own freedom but whenever people are oppressed they're going to rise up and the country the, the government knows that but they're trying to suppress as much as possible by throwing out a, a few bones here and there to keep people suppressed, um, keep them satisfied or what they feel to be satisfied, while on the top end of the, of the spectrum, the people that are making the most money, they're making money hand over fist. So you always hear about the rich, the rich, and the poor get poor. Well, we're seeing that now. You, if you look at the, the wealthiest people in the world, you know, if, uh, you, know you look at it you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, to be in the top, to be the richest person in the world, you know, fifty billion dollars. 
now Jeff Bezos, he's worth what, 100, 100 plus billion dollars? So we look at, at everything in totality and there, there's a problem, there, there's problems in all segments of our, of our country, but as long as everybody says, well, I'm good, I got my house, I got my cars, I'm good, if everybody thinks like that, then it's never gonna get better. Well, I like, you know, I, I really, you touched upon a point which is a whole nother show, and it's a whole show in itself, but it's, it's one of my favorite topics, being a finance major, is a class. You know, we do, um, when we think of liberty, pretty much we think of civil rights and, and race issues, we think of LGBT issues, but with all of that said and done, if you don't have some kind of economic freedom, you're still going to be in bondage. So I want, does anyone else want to comment on that about our class system and some of the bondage you have, um, you know, based upon class and, and economics in our country? Any of uh, my guests want to talk about that? Just Looks like up. we got Oakley from D.C. who has some input on this. Okay. Yeah, hi. I, first of all, Kevin, you have a great podcasting voice. Uh, <laughs> just wanted to say that. Um, I think this conversation is really, really interesting, and everyone that has talked has had really good points. Um, I'm a white queer, so, you know, you've had kind of the up and downs, and I'm from a rural area of Minnesota, and it's really interesting to me because there are a lot of essentially disenfranchised people who live in rural areas who don't, you know, have the knowledge. They don't really care about politics, like, and they don't, they just want to live their lives. And I think that's kind of an ideal, like, we should all not really care about this. We should just live in a society where, you know, everything works out for everyone. But um, I wanted to kind of go back to some other discussions earlier. It's really interesting to me because I also to add another label to me is that I'm a libertarian. So I, I'm super into liberty and um, the, it's what's really interesting to me is that in the 60s, there was only 35% support for the Civil Rights Act. And a lot of people say, oh, yeah, it would have just all, you know, it would have just panned out. Everything would have panned out with a Civil Rights Act. But the government, in that sense, forced people to integrate and forced people to, you know, deal with that situation. And... That's that's kind of well. Uh, Milton Friedman said it was a market failure. He said that you know that the market did not. Everyone should just accept everyone because they have money and things like that. But it was just, the social norms are so ingrained, and there was no way to counter it other than just forcing people to be like, oh yeah, you have to accept black people here. And we see this debate today with you know gay cakes and and things like that. But, but, but I also kind of just beg the idea that like we we want to live in a society where everyone is accepted to certain things. You know, you, we want to live in a society where our neighbors can do what they want. And there's kind of this distinction between positive and negative liberty, where where yeah, you can remove the roadblocks, the civil rights acts, for example, remove the roadblocks for black folks and Latino folks getting, you know, going to wherever they wanted. But there's also this positive liberty sense of where like, if black folks and Latino folks don't, they don't make it as much, nearly as much money on average as white people. So 
how are they limited in that way? Like how they can't go to the opera or like they can't go to all the amusement parks and have like the life that white people have. So my question is essentially, how do you kind of reconcile that? Like there's, there's two types of liberty. It's the, like they can go to the opera, but they don't have enough money within our system to go to the opera or whatever, whatever it is. And that's still, you know, an issue in our society. And it's really horrible that people can't just have a basic means of living. Well, I agree. Thank you so much. That was an excellent comment and question. Um, and I want to deal with both, but um, uh, Mr. DC, I just want to ask you a quick question. Being a, a white LGBT person, have you faced any struggles with your liberty? Um, you know, we heard uh, James's story, but what about you? You know, even though you're Caucasian, do you have any LGBT <coughs> issues, discrimination, any roadblocks, any hindrances, stereotypes? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing was I grew up in a small town that was the most conservative county in Minnesota. So <laughs> healthcare, healthcare was not easy for me. So if I, one time I called, I called the receptionist at the hospital and I was like, I want an STD test. No, I didn't have any STDs. I just, as a gay man, you sh should get it. You know, you should get tested twice a year. And they were like, I've never heard of that. And <laughs> then I had to talk to the doctor and be like, uh, I want this. And they're like, I've been, I've been like, totally like, um, the doctor was like, oh yeah. Are you sleeping with lots of men? I wish. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a situation <laughs> where it's like, uh, like, I wish I was, I wish my sex life was better, but yeah, no, I, I just, <laughs> I just want to get checked. But, um, yeah. but I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, also it's, it's kind of weird because, you know, I, small town, my parents are broke and it's just like, but broke in a relative sense. So like in a small town, things are cheaper and everything, well, everyone can survive. So I really like that. And that's why I'm really sympathetic to a lot of kind of the destruction of rural towns. But, um, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, that's so, how, that's um, how it goes. my, Team, can uh, can you guys, some of you guys, comment on his uh, kind of his question, which I think was a good point, which was my the the impetus of what I was trying to get at about the class and liberty. That even though you have liberty on one hand, that yeah, you can go places, you can do this, but if you don't have the money or if you don't have the opportunity, the transportation, uh, there are, they they're doing that in Atlanta. Okay, there are a lot of jobs, but if you're out in the suburbs in the rural areas or in areas where the buses don't run or, or public transportation, you can't even get to those jobs. So does anyone else want to comment on the, the, um, the dichotomy of the liberty, but the uh, economic liberty that's also uh, holding people back? Can I get some comments? I, I would like to, um, to comment on what your guest said. Um, he's absolutely right. I think one of the things, the um, anomalies that we, we, we see and what I've seen, you know, in the news and was somewhat like me being someone of the millennial generation coming out of school is, you know, people are always saying, oh, well, there are jobs everywhere. You know, th this state has this amount of jobs and this is it. So, you know, the job market is rising. And yes, statistically, there, there might be more jobs. But the other issue is, are these jobs in this particular particular present moment, paying enough people to actually live a adequate, healthy, wholesome lifestyle. Because right, I've right. seen situations to where people are working four jobs 
and still have in certain states and still having to um, stay in a, a sleep in motel or stay in their car because the cost of living in certain places have risen. So, you know, it's a, it's an imbalance. We're, we're not being paid enough. We're having to fight for minimum wage in certain places, you know, and the cost of living for housing and stuff is going up higher. And for those people who are, you know, barely even making it, they're being left behind while those who already have it are just really just fluctuating. And it's just, it goes back to that thing, you know, the, and especially here, <clears throat> the rich get rich and the poor get poor, you know, and it takes money to make money because those who have money, you know, and all of these crises, sometimes it benefits them, you know, and they're able to make more money. Um, and I just, I, I, I go back to always with history as well with the whole class situation situation with, I'm just using African-American history as an example right now, but after the Emancipation Proclamation with slaves being free, there were no provisions made for slaves to really have full autonomy to move up in the realm of the United States. Right. They were free to um, fail, free to starve. (laughs) Absolutely. So you're you're saying, oh, well, we we give you your freedom, but it's like what 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 free to do what i don't have i don't have any money i i can't you know i'm not really necessarily skilled outside of what i've done on this plantation and since in certain areas i mean with the infamous with certain situations like sherman's march to the sea they burned all of those some of those spaces down so you're left destitute and without anything and then and then we have a government who really wasn't really as helpful as they should have been in protecting African-Americans from the rise of terrorism, domestic terrorism, with the white supremacist groups such as the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, and and the like, who were um, using volatile methods to really beat Blacks into submission and to keep them in some form of, quote-unquote, what they were, uh, what they just were free free from, slavery. and so I think today, you know, even though however many decades we are from that, there are still forms of, of, of slavery just in a different way. You know, you can be a slave in the system to where you're overworked and without any money. Um, and, and you have to continuously work for just the basic The working necessity. poor. <laughs> the right, working poor, right. they call it. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And then we have this this whole ideology of, well, you know, we don't want to give anyone a handout, da da da, and, and we use these alliterations of people and create these ideologies of people who are sitting and um, just sitting there and abusing the system. And granted, there are some people that are that potentially are out there doing that, but does should that affect the premise of all people who really are trying to work hard and who just need that extra assistance to make it through, you know? Um, so it, I think we have a history, a very confusing, difficult history with, with race infusing intrinsically with race and class, because like I said, with the situation with us, you know, we were free to, um, to go and have the autonomy, quote unquote, to do what we want, but we didn't have the resources to actually live the best life that we, we, we possibly could have lived. And that started, in my opinion, a perpetuation of poverty in, in the states, uh, in the United States. Interesting. Hey, Kevin, you, Kevin, you mind Go if ahead. I jump in here real quick? Go ahead. Go ahead. 
It's your show. So, so uh, ex- excellent points by Kevin there. And to kind of piggyback on that, so after slavery, not only were provisions not made uh, for the slaves to to you know be financially made whole, but in addition to that, after that, with Jim Crow, it, like legalized discrimination was kind of put in, put into effect. So then, if, if if you look at it from the perspective of okay, black folks were you know, use self determination and use you know what the Republicans always say, pull themselves up, pull themselves up by the bootstraps. They did that. And if you look at something like Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, Black Wall Street was burned to the ground. Why? Yeah. Because the the conditions that they were living in were better than the ones that the whites were living at the time. So it's like a damn if you do, damn if you don't. So on the one hand, they they're not given anything. So they're like, okay, we'll do it ourselves. We'll we'll live amongst ourselves. Cool. Then when they do that, then that's frowned upon. It gets burned down. Nothing, no, no, no um, restitution was paid to them. So then they got to start all over again. Then you keep fast forwarding then, and then redlining FHA loans were denied to black people. Um, and so a lot of that, that uh, the wealth that comes from real estate was able to be passed from generation to generation amongst white folks, but that was not allowed to black folks. So every generation of black folks kind of starts from square one, whereas some white folks were able to say, okay, look, I've probably got a quarter of a million, half a million dollars from my parents, grandparents, whatever, so I'm able to do whatever with. So I can start a business. That business kind of, you know, makes money after, makes money hand over fist. I'm cool. But then when we look at black folks, by and large, they're starting over again, each generation. And it's, it's looked at as perception is reality. It's looked at as if black folks were to get money in, in, the, con- in, the, in the framework of uh, reparations, it's looked at as a handout. No, it's not a handout. Because if you flash back, you know, again, a generation or two, white folks were able to get free loans from the government for, for, for real estate. They were given land to, as the country expanded out west, that was denied to black people. So we can't, we can't say that it's a handout to black folks, but it wasn't a handout to white folks. Right. I want to jump in here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with everyone with what everyone has said, it's really interesting to me is that most government welfare programs, I work at uh, an institution that does a lot with higher education, but our sister organization does a lot with, it's a think tank essentially. But welfare fraud is basically non-existent. It, it doesn't, like the welfare queens that Reagan you know, boasted about were not, I mean, maybe there was like a few, but it did not cost that much money. And it wasn't like, people aren't abusing it. People don't want to be on welfare. In the 1930s, when FDR was doing a lot with, with welfare, people hated it. He hated, they, they hated the, like, the idea that I can't provide for my family. Most people just were just felt their self-esteem dropped for it. And I think that's something that exists in the United States today is that a lot of people don't want to go on welfare because it seems, it seems as like, it seems uh, as if like you can't provide or you're not good enough or something like that. So I, I challenge the idea that welfare is abused dramatically. But another thing is, is that, that a lot, like have any of you read uh, uh, Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow? If not, you should read it because it's a basically how Jim Crow. It wasn't just that discrimination was legal; it was that discrimination was forced. Is that the idea that, especially in the South, a lot you can't you can't accept black people. Like the government said that you can't do this, and you know, especially after slavery, 
reconstruction is a whole nother thing is that reconstruction was rutherford b hayes there was a compromise where reconstruction would end but reconstruction essentially said that black people have rights and they have to vote and they ended it because of some electoral issue and jim crow lasted until the 1960s and it was the government forcing people to businesses businesses people etc to just not interact and not integrate at all like you would if you served a black person in the South, you would be fined. And that's, that, that's insane. But that also only ended 70 years ago. I mean, it's 70 years now since it's 2020, but it's, I mean, that's still ingrained in our society. And Michelle Alexander makes the argument that uh, the reason why we, you know, had all these police tactics and made it so that marijuana was illegal and that you could get 30 years for having an ounce of marijuana or something like that. You, it was essentially just, it was selectively, uh, it was selectively put in black communities so that you could lock up all the black folks. And that's why there's this whole, all this hysteria about, you know, there's not black fathers and things because if, if, even if you didn't have marijuana, there were are cases where the FBI would just plant it on you because they thought that you were uh, a threat or something like that. So we have these like ingrained, I mean, still today, like this is, yeah, we had the first step act that Trump passed and the Democrats passed, but even today there's so many people that are locked up for no reason other than that they had a couple grams of marijuana or something like that. And that destroys community. And then when, once you have, once you destroy all those communities, you can't have a stable you know stable life well you brought up a really really good point and we're going to um uh, kind of close out and wrap up uh with mr tim tim my main man let's talk about that i was just actually thinking when we were talking about the class system of how uh if we had uh, legalized cannabis and more criminal justice reform there are people that could be growing cannabis making money getting out of poverty not getting into debt, feeding their families, but because of the limited government and some of our crazy laws and injustice and infringements on our liberty, that's not allowed. But I know that's an area that you've studied and dealt with and act, um, advocated for. Will you discuss that quick uh, for us, Tim? Hey, Tim Smith. I think Damon hit a really, really, really awesome point. Um, wow, I, I really don't know where to start, Damon. Thank you. That was. That was beautiful what you um, <laughs> stated. Here's the thing, right? I don't, uh, oftentimes folks think that I'm the ambassador for all black folks. I am not the ambassador for all black folks. I can only comment based upon my own feelings, thoughts, and ideas. I don't believe that black people in America are free. I don't mm. think we've ever been free. I think the plantation has changed. Um, mm. the scenery Interesting. The, yeah. the, the scenery of the plantation has changed. And if we look back through the Tim, history, I'm going to tell you, I'm stealing that from you and using it. <laughs> if we look back at the history, and I was educated at, a, at an HBCU, an historically black college university. I also went to a non-HBCU. Um, but at the HBCU, I learned something that was mind-boggling. There were black overseers. So the overseers were the guys that were in charge of keeping the slaves um, slaves. 
And to me, I just couldn't fathom the idea that there were other Blacks in charge of their own folks, the people who looked like them. They were tasked with being the taskmasters. And when I look today, and I can only comment as, as being a Black individual, a male who's straight, I don't see where anything's changed. The only thing that's changed is we've been sold this dream of the quote-unquote American dream, and it is a farce. And when we look at class, poor white folks have also been sold this farce of a dream of the so-called American dream. The difference now is that poor white folks are realizing that the American dream was a farce, that it was this dream uh -huh. that if you work hard, you would receive all of these awesome things, you would be treated fairly, life would be great for you and your grandkids. And now they realize that wasn't the case. They realize that the powers to be, the wealthy individuals, and I want to make it clear, I have nothing against wealthy folks. I have an issue with a system in place that's been perpetuated for generation upon generation, decade after decade, for hundreds of years, that stifles the growth, the financial growth of folks that are different. Uh -huh. And that's what poor white folks are, are, are realizing. And one of the ways that they're realizing this is with the criminal justice system. They're now realizing that, hey, when I get locked up for whatever stupid thing, uh, jaywalking, you can actually be arrested in the state of Georgia and many states for jaywalking. Whatever the case is, when they get arrested, poor white folks, I've spent some time speaking with poor white folks, they realize that, listen, just because I'm white, the system treats me just as it does like And that's mind-blowing for poor white folks is that the system doesn't just look at them as being white. It doesn't just give them a pass because they're white. It looks at them as being, listen, you are a poor white person. So I said, uh -huh. that, said all of that to say this is that, no, it's not just black folks that aren't. Uh, I don't believe that black folks are free in this country, but I will also accept that poor white folks aren't free in this country either, but they've had it better than us black folks. So, yeah. and, and that's the, you know, we, we, we have to be clear on that. Poor white folks, they've gotten the short end of the stick, but their <laughs> short end was much better than the, than the stick that the black folks, that black folks have received. And we see this here today in the criminal justice system. I, and, and I said, going back to the overseer part, so we look at the police, right? I don't care how much wealth you have, how nice of a vehicle you may drive, whatever neighborhood you're in, once you get pulled over for the, by the cops just for being black, that tells you right then that <laughs> liberty does not exist for black folks, or it isn't in its fullness for black folks. So, no, I, I don't believe that. Black folks have ever been free. I believe that Black folks have been shown a vision of freedom, and we've been allowed to experience parts of freedom or liberty. But no, we, we're not free. We're not. We're 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 not uh, um, uh, a free people. We are a people that have been bamboozled. And going back to what Damon said earlier about the two-party system, that's how the two-party system works. It tricks people into thinking that if your guy gets elected, things are going to be better for you. And we can look at President Obama, sainted President Obama, a.k.a. Black Jesus. How many Black folks bought into <laughs> President Obama 
when he became president, let me t listen. I am looking at my Obama uh, winter cap. I had, I still, I just wore it this week. I was trolling people, but yes, I still have my Obama cap. How many black folks, we thought that when, o when President Obama became president, when Obama became president, that everything was going to be different for us, that we would finally realize the American dream. We could ride in our cars and not have to worry about being pulled over by the police just for being black. We could ride on the train without uh, um, uh, the cops pulling us over to stop and frisk us just for being black. No, we're not free. Um, personally, I don't think that'll ever happen. I think we'll always be shown glimpses of what freedom is. And that's the thing, this is how the system tricks us. It tricks us into thinking that if you work harder, things will be better for you. And yes, to a point, that's true. That's absolutely true. If you work hard, I know lots of black wealthy folks in their 30s. I shouldn't say lots, but I know several um, black, what, what I consider to be wealthy, $200,000 plus salaries in their 30s. The point being though is that they're not free. They'll never be free until the system changes. The system will never change. At least, I don't think it's gonna change in my life. Sorry. Kevin, I have a question is, uh, how long is this show going? And I want to ask him a question. Go ahead, because we can edit out. Cool. So, Tim, I thought everything you said was absolutely right. My question is, as a white dude, is what, you know, what's our kind of like policy issues or how can the black community be better in the sense of how can we improve these communities who were historically wronged in the sense that like Obama was president obviously but he also had to deal with a lot of other things but I, I i kind of scoff at the idea that oh we had a black president and suddenly racism ended so what how do we how do we deal with your complaint <laughs> it really just began right tim <laughs> people's true colors came out <laughs> so going back to damon damon made this awesome point the problem and, and not only damon but tevin here's the situation right and, and I can only speak for, for black folks, and I don't mean every black folks, I can only speak for, for my family. Yep. And, and I can speak to not only black folks, but my father is Native American, so I can also speak to the Native Americans in this country to a point. So here's the thing, right? The system, if we look at slavery, Slavery was a system that was not only allowed, but it was celebrated by the U.S. government. Yep. If we look at um, Jim Crow. Jim Crow, as was, has already been stated, was a system that was enacted by the government. If we look at redlining, Black folks weren't able to get mortgages that were guaranteed. They would not receive guarantees on their mortgages, so they couldn't receive a guarantee on their mortgage. Guess what? Tim, I hate to interrupt you, but yeah, there's a lot of historical wrongs there, but how do we go forward is my question. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. Sorry. We yeah. go forward by holding the government accountable. As, as Damon stated, reparations are not a handout. Reparations no, not. are no. simply what is due to the offended party. It's the same as if we went to, if I went to your home and drove my car through your front door, you have the right to come after me in court and receive 
uh, and receive compensation for my, me damaging your, your property. Black folks have been Absolutely. damaged. We need to be made whole. This is not a handout. This is what's owed to us by the government. We need yeah. to be paid. If I can keep it simple, that's what needs to happen. We need to get paid. And, and the and reparations, reparations are a really complex thing, but I actually, I actually agree that it's not I a agree that it's not, it's not complex. <laughs> and the and, government, um, here, here's what's wrong. Here's why this isn't a complex thing. The payout may be complicated. It doesn't have to be, but the payout may be complicated. But here's my issue, right? If we look at on, if we look at the Democrats, the Democrats are pretty much uh, generally okay with reparations, but they want to make reparations a form of welfare. That's bull. Yeah. Reparations is a check needs to be in my name, not more welfare. I don't need the government saying, here, I'm going to pump more money into your neighborhoods by giving you whatever, parks and recreation. That's full. No. Give and me Tim. cash so that I can go out into the marketplace and invest that money, that capital, and grow my own net worth. Tim, you That's brought simple. up a really good point because the Republicans, people don't really understand, are very much for reparations too. But they are so that they can make money off of it. They'll give you money uh, to build a house if they can build the house. They will give you money to go to school as long as they own the school or build the prisons because they own stock of the prisons mm -hmm. and yeah. corporations. And a lot That's of people don't realize that. So, That's the plantation. Government my, keeps us on the plantation. My, if the government can dictate what you do with the money, guess what? You're still on the plantation because yeah. that's what slave owners say. Absolutely. They say what you can do with whatever it is that I'm giving you. I think I don't want to give. You're, you're absolutely right. There needs to be reparations, but I'm skeptical of just giving a check. And I think the bigger thing is that we need to do a South American or a, a South African style, like a South African style truth ends truth commission essentially that we need to in south africa and a lot of parts of latin america they after dictatorships they said they broadcasted in every channel exactly who you know who was killed by the regimes and we need to say that with slavery and we need to say that with the the native american genocide so that people can actually go past their their uh, you know the history that we have where people were murdered for no reason and we need to talk about these issues because otherwise well. if it's just a check if it's just a check it's just people are gonna just not even matter but we need to socialize people in some way to actually talk to people that are yeah, well, I, I I, let me just cut you off for one second and, and i won't be long that's fine yeah i don't need a white person telling me what is due me and how i should receive it and this is what I was getting to an earlier point. White folks are always telling black folks, well, yeah, okay, reparations, but we don't think we, should, we can trust you with the money. That's cool. If I wreck your door, I don't get a say in how you spend the money because it's due you. It's your damaged property. And I'm compensating you for my actions. So I find, take great fault when white folks, or anyone for that matter, says no yeah you've been harmed black people but we just can't trust you with this money and i've heard read this it's various in many several articles where 
well, if you give the black folks this money, they're just going to spend it. You know, they don't know how to to manage it, and they'll blow through it. So what if we blow through it? It's ours because it's due to us. Yeah, Tim, that's that's a, that's a fantastic point, and I'm, I'm a white person, so thanks for the critique. I just, I think that, and it's not I, personal. I want, I want, it's I, not personal. I, no, 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 absolutely, I don't take it as that. Uh, but also, thanks for the critique. But I, I want a society where I, I grew up in a rural area, and there were no black folks, there were no Jews, there were some Chinese folks, and lots of Hispanics. Um, but I just want you poor a thing, you. You been- yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but the idea is that like how do we make rule i mean i'm living in a city now and i i've you know and dealt with that but how do we end the racial strife in our country is it just a check i think i think oh, the question so- is like i think i think Can I- if you look at if you look at self i think i honestly will stand by the idea that we need a truth commission where every single slave is broadcasted to every single person so like they know i mean look at the south there's plenty of people who think the confederacy is still like an okay thing like there's not there's not um, a idea that they were wrong or that america was ever wrong uh, and i think that let, let tevin let tevin answer your question then i'm gonna wrap it up go ahead tevin i i, I do I, I agree with you damon on the truth commission uh, but i do i want to say this you know i feel like we, you know, we have these conversations and, you know, some of our um, quote unquote white allies are part of these conversations and, and they're asking us certain things about how, you know, the situation can be improved. I think that there are some things, you know, yes, as African-Americans, as the injured party, you know, we can we can express and we can only tell our side of the story being that injured party on that side. But I think there are a lot of things that for white Americans that only, the work has to be solely done only by that group of, of, of analysis of um, your history and really asking yourself, what is the reason initially for this? I think only a white person, in my opinion, can answer that question. And that has to be, come through analysis, pure analysis. Yes, I can be a part of that to, to share my side but the the true um, analytical process and procedures of that can only, in my opinion, come from a white person to actually deal with and then contend with, and then meet that black person on the other end to go forward. And my and that that's just my my take on it. Um, I, I well, guys, say that. thank you so much. You guys have been awesome. But I, the reason I'm I'm not cutting you off, but this is a great topic, and we actually have a whole show planned on that february the 8th the next um open taping is going to be on reparations and all of you guys are invited to be co-hosts to so you write up about a two to three minute little spiel and then we're going to really discuss it and as, as i like to do go underneath the surface but in closing i want to address you oakley i thank you for bringing up a good point only problem i have not being biased because of my color because i'm actually have more native american blood and white blood than i do african-american if any but you know, we've had enough talk, we've had enough rhetoric, we've had enough discussions, we've been having symposiums, workshops, seminars, and now webinars for over 400 years. It's time for action, and that's why this show is so important. Let's put our liberty in action, put your money where your mouth is. Um, you know, whether it's a paycheck or something, but just talking and, and statements, 
because a lot of people, what they say, they don't really mean. And that's something that I've learned the hard way. You know, oh, yeah, we're so sorry about reformations of slavery, or I love blacks, or I love whites, or I accept gays, but their actions don't line up with what they say. So in closing, we thank you guys all for your comments. We thank you for um, tuning in to The Liberty Show. Do me a favor, like The Liberty Show on Facebook and share it with your friends. I would love to have hundreds, even thousands of people on here sharing their opinion and their experiences. And last but not least, we need support. We're actually planning on doing some live tapings once we get the TV equipment and everything, and we need support. So go to www.patreon.com forward slash The Liberty Show and become one of our monthly sponsors, only $5 a month, so that we can come to your city and have some of these debates live and spend more time. Thank you so much. And everyone, let's say it together. Liberty! 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 Liberty. 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 <laughs>